For everyone listening, welcome to the Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. This is going to be a great episode. Dre, let me tell you why it's so great. I'm living here, right here in Tampa Heights, and she's a Tampa native from Ebor. And for those of you who don't know, it's like the next town to Tampa Heights is Ebor. But let's get started by talking about Genevieve Ponder, who goes by Jen. Jen is an expert on money stress, on a mission to help financially frustrated folks Stop stressing the F out about money and live a life they love. She's a Tampa native. As a Tampa native, she was born and raised in a little section of Tampa called Ebor City, affectionately called The Bottom. I didn't even know it was called The Bottom. My neighborhood in Pittsburgh was called The Bottom. All these towns, uh, I think Master P was in The Bottom. All these little <laughs> towns got bottoms. <laughs> At, a, at an early age, she was intrigued by how people would talk about and behave with money, and she began to notice the stress it often caused the folks closest to her. After graduating from the University of Florida, she went on to become a CPA specializing in corporate taxes. In her 17-year career, she worked with some of the top accounting firms and prestigious corporations in the Tampa Bay area, after which she branched out to open her own tax business, focusing on individual clients, Simply Tax. It was a business, it was in this business that she developed her passion for resolving money stress. She realized that many, that most of her clients were burdened with some financial stress. I know I'm stressed all the time. She noticed (laughs) that her loved ones as a child. So she was compelled to help her clients eliminate the stress that was overwhelming their lives. As a result, she created the platform Ponder Money to help many to help her many clients take charge of their money by exploring and changing their thoughts and emotions around money. During this work, she also realized everyone had a distinct default level of stress related to how much money they have, make or spend which I call, which she calls your money identity. I'm interested to hear about that. So she wrote an ebook to help people discover the unique money identity and give them the tools they need to adjust, to not just reduce stress, but to master it. I am so intrigued with that word, money identity. Oh man, we have so many, we have so many, please, if you can, if you could just start off by defining money identity and let's take it from there. So money identity is much like your personal identity, right? It's like your thoughts, behaviors, and actions around the way you show up as it relates to money. And everybody has a distinct way of showing up with money. Um, Online, you can see a lot about money mindsets. And that's usually focusing around how you spend your money. But I also realized that there's so many other ways that we show up around money, including how we keep money, how we make money, and, uh uh-oh, lost my headphone. All right, I'm back. And most importantly, how we stress about money. Um, So, yeah. Well, tell me this, would you say from your experience of, researching or working with people with their 
distinct money identities? Is it cultural? Is it DNA? Is it gender? Because I, I hear the brothers that I speak with, my boys, and I'm sure Dre, we all complain about our significant others, the way the, the ladies spend the money. Is it, is it DNA? Is it cultural? Or is it gender? What would you say from your experience? I would say just like, again, just like our personal identities, it's all related to all of those things. It's a conglomeration of everything that we've experienced and the culture that we've grown up in. But what I will say is what I've realized is that money identity can be the same for someone who doesn't have much as well as for someone who has a lot. So Ooh. it doesn't relate to how much money you have or um, your economic disposition. It's really about the way you were raised, how you see the world, and those things. That makes sense, Genevieve. As you share that, what I think about is in college, and I was telling my son this recently. So, you know, oftentimes we don't go through a course as young people whether you're in high school or in college, that teaches you, you know, how to ma properly manage money on a personal level, right? Accounting, economics, those things exist, but nothing, nothing really exists to teach you how to manage money on a personal level. I was telling my son that I was probably, I don't know, 19, I was in college, 19, and me and a couple guys were, you know, trying to go out to hang out and have some fun, and... I had maybe, I don't know, $20. All of us had, you know, at the max, maybe 25 And this one guy was like, hey, I just got a credit card. I can go to the ATM and get cash out. Now, having never been taught, you know, about proper money management, um, or I should say, even though I never was never taught about proper money management, that didn't make, seem like it was a good idea. I'm thinking mm -hmm. if you don't have the cash, mm -hmm. you're gonna go borrow the cash. And and as I got older, I started realizing, you know, the the dangers of credit cards, things like that. So talk yes. to me, talk to me a bit about, you know, because obviously when you get into debt, there's more stress and that sort of thing. Talk to me about stress avoidant behaviors that people yes. can can leverage uh, as it relates to money. Okay. So I, I love your story because I had a similar story in college. Uh, um, not necessarily about cash, pulling cash out, but um, I was in an economics class and we were told to write about our thoughts on credit. And I think, again, back to what we were talking about, some people just innately have a, a, a feeling around how we're supposed to move in the world as it relates to debt. And so I was kind of like you, like, I never thought of a credit card as free money. You know, I always thought of it as like, I'm going to have to pay these people back someday. Yeah. So I'm not going to go down that road. But what I noticed with other people that I, you know, associated with or my family, like a credit card, that meant we just got some free cash and yeah. we'll worry about everything else later. Right. And again, that wasn't anything that I was taught. It just didn't feel right to yeah. me, you know? Yeah. So there's that. Um, and as it relates to money avoidant uh, things that you can do. So this is, this is the way I see it. 
sometimes we approach stress in a way that creates more stress, which is what I call money avoidant behaviors. So let me see an example. I want to I want to use an example about credit cards. Sure. But <laughs> whatever works, yeah. But <laughs> but I could probably think of something else a lot quicker. So something like All right. You're stressed about a bill that's due, right? And you have the money, but you probably have only just enough money for that bill. So you're hesitant to pay the bill because you want to keep the money, right? But not paying the bill or actually just procrastinating about paying the bill creates like past due mm-hmm. issues, not calling the company to tell them your situation. Mm-hmm. It's creating a situation where they can't help you. Just procrastinating and hesitating and doing nothing puts you in a worse situation than it would be if you had done something at all, which is what I call money or stress resilient behaviors Mm. taking action for the thing that gives you stress in order to make your life better yeah that's got to be tough though as i think about this because you know when you think about it you know because we're never most are never really taught about money management right when you mismanage the money as you just mentioned you inevitably reach a level of stress. Like, oh my gosh, I can't pay these bills. People are calling me for money I don't have. And now you got to figure out how to rob from Peter to pay Paul. And on top of that, try to figure out how to change your paradigm as it relates to your money management without any external help. So talk about what you do um, as it relates to helping people to to realize, hey, there's a way out. Like, do do they come to you? Do you find them? Because in my mind, it's so cyclical where you're just kind of trapped in this vacuum almost, right? Where you're just like got bills coming in, trying to, you know, do the the um, the payday check loan thing where they charge five hundred percent, and so you you just kind of caught in this cycle. How did the how loan did, of death? The loan of death, right? <laughs> how how do people break out of that? Do you find the, the people you've talked to? How do they break yeah. out of that, and how do you help them with that? So for me, I think it all starts with just self-care, right? I mean, it doesn't seem logical, but what I find is that when you're able to start taking a breath, taking a step step back, which I I call finding your woosah, you know, like on the movie (laughs) Bad Boys and Martin had a when you're in that cycle of like stress piling on you over and over again you have to find a way to create space between you and that stress and i find the best way to do that is to find your woosah like for me my woosah is taking a walk like anytime i take a walk instantly I can solve the world's problems. Mm. Um, But other people, it might be something like meditating, um, communicating with loved ones. I don't know. Anything that gets you out of that cycle of doom and gloom, that cycle of I can't, I don't have, all the contractions that make you feel like 
you don't have enough to get things done and you aren't enough to get things done mm. that's the first step mm -hmm. so, no I'm sorry go ahead no no, no I thought you were going to say <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry yeah so then after you are able to find your woosah the next thing you can do is start to think about and imagine what you want to happen right like instead of worrying about what could happen and everything that could go wrong you start to think about you get yourself in the in a place and space where you can start to dream again and imagine how your life could be if your money was in order right and with that you use that to activate your what's the next one I use an acronym that I call FIFTH, F-I-F-T-H. So it's find your woosah, imagine what you want, take, believe in faith, take action, and have fun. Okay? Uh. So, so the, the faith part is believing that what you have imagined can happen, can actually happen. This, I believe, is the most important step because you can see something, but if you don't believe that it's really going to happen, you won't take action on it, right? Mm. You'll still be stuck in the cycle of doom and gloom. Mm. And so once you start to believe that, that the thing that you really, really want to happen is actually possible, you'll take action. And that leads us to the next step, starting to take action, calling those bill collectors, paying what you can pay, whatever steps you need to take to move you in the right direction, getting a side hustle, whatever. And then finally, having fun. I really feel like my firm belief is that life is a game. Life is here to be enjoyed, mm. right? And so even when you're going through hard times, you have to find a way to have fun while you're doing it. Like finding a way to live your life in a way that you can feel the level of agency and freedom that some people don't feel when they're overly stressed about money. It really is a mindset shift and a lifestyle shift. Tell me this, uh, as a quick follow-up here, have, have you noticed a shift in the past three years or so in terms of the people that you've worked with, clients? Have you noticed there's there tend to be more stressed about money, less stressed about money? When I say the last three years, you know, um, with COVID and just after COVID here, what have you noticed the trend to be? Definitely has an uptick with inflation and where I am in the Tampa area, the housing market is bananas. Like people are stressed the F out about money like right now. It is the cost of food. Everything is on the rise. And so with those external factors that we can't control, that creates a lot of freaking stress for us. But what I'm telling people to do is to focus on what they can control. And that gives you the power to feel like you are financially free. Even if you, your bank account does not reflect that. Right. You know, there is something that comes from 
being able to act in a way that cultivates your best interests mm. that makes you feel free, no matter what your situation I, I was uh, sitting here taking notes because I'm going to recite some of the things you've said. You said loan of death, money, identity, life is to be enjoyed. Focus on what you can control. These are like t-shirt slogans. Do you have your own <laughs> merchandising? You should. I love that loan of death. <laughs> No, I I have not. However, I did think about it. I had actually started a list of sayings that I was like, I could put this on a cup or yeah. something. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never, it's, it's, I didn't take action. <laughs> and, and also like the fifth, that, that's so that's so cool with the way you define the F-I-B-T-H. F-I-F-T-H. The fifth, F like pleading the fifth, you know? Uh, oh, okay, here it is. So so that's just, that's another one that she has as a t-shirt. I was just wondering if these are slogans or if you're like a money coach. Are you? Would you define yourself as a money coach? So early on, I was initially seeing clients one-on-one, -on -one, but I felt like that was a lot of, I just feel like it wasn't my space to be. So now I've moved into just focusing on writing books and doing conversations. My goal is to change the conversation about the way we talk about money. And I felt like in a money coach perspective, seeing one-on-one -on -one clients, it was not my space of, you know, greatest influence, I would say. So I would call myself more a money identity master. That's that's the I, way I, <laughs> I I like that. Now, just if you could think back. So let's say we're Jen today and you talked about when you were in college. If you met a young, let's say a high schooler, a senior in high school, and then you met a senior in college from your years of experience from finance, what would be the words of wisdom you would tell them? Because let's say... The one out of college, they're looking at this mountain of debt they're going to sign to go to college, but it's not necessarily credit card debt. It's debt going into the investing, investment of their future. But then you got someone that's coming out of college. They got all these mountains of debt, student loan debt, but they may not have credit card because they didn't have a job and they're getting ready to jump into credit card debt combined. What would you say to them? Like, watch out for this or make sure you do this or just... What would you advise those two representatives? I love this question. Um, I think for me, what I try to advise people is to listen to yourself, right? I don't necessarily tell people do this or don't do that. I think it's mm -hmm. all about knowing what works for you. So for me, I remember I was in a similar situation as well when I was about to go off to college and I was deathly afraid to take on student loan debt. And I had to have a conversation with my dad and I was just like, I'm just not going to go. You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna. Mm -hmm. I, I just had this logic and, you know, I had heard that debt is bad, right? But what my dad explained to me was like, 
you're using this as an investment in your future and you know exactly what you want to do and you know this is something you're going to follow through on so this loan is just a tool to get you where you want to be however for someone else taking on a loan it might not be the best thing for them like say they're lost and they don't know for sure if college is what they want to do but they're just doing it because that's what everybody says you're supposed to do then in that situation i wouldn't advise someone to take on a loan i would advise them to spend a little time figuring out themselves because at the end of the day this is something you're going to have to pay back and you don't want to look back on it as I just did it because everybody said I was supposed to do it. When I think about my student loans, I feel proud that I took them on. And when I make that payment, I feel good about doing something that was for me. And that's what it really is about. Because if you are doing something and making payments on something that you don't feel good about, You're then it's it. the wrong thing to do. Yeah. I you know what? What you said is so a thousand percent accurate because I remember when I had my first job out of college, I was in Chicago and I wanted this RX7 sports car. Yeah. Okay. It was in 1989. Yeah. And, and then I, 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 it would have been a hard stretch because I was like, I got to go to the club. I got to go to do this and all. And back then I was drinking. I was just like, ugh. Whereas I opted for this Honda Civic. Okay. Biggest mistake. Because three years into making the payment, I hated the car. <laughs> and three years later, I was making more money. And everybody riding around in my smooth RX-7. Mm -hmm. And I've got this boxy Civic. Because when you're paying for something that you want, it doesn't become a hassle because you want it. But if it's something you don't want and you settle for, year three, five, seven, you're like, why am I doing this? And this yeah. car stayed around. It stayed in the family for 15 years. I gave it to my cousin, and I still had to see it terrorizing <laughs> me. <laughs> and I never got, I never got that RX-7. Now with kids, it's like, yeah, my sport car was. That was my time. But Man, that makes get, so your much sense. get your car. Get your car. Live your life. Yeah. Your life. What do the kids no, say? Yellow. yellow. That's right. Yeah. Yellow those so, ones, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So I want to circle back. You mentioned your books. Uh, if you can, if you could tell our listeners where they can find your books and then tell us about your writing career. Like, how many books do you have? Are they international? Are they just US? Are they focused on a particular everybody or yeah. anybody? Or what is the thing? Yeah, no, I'm a baby book writer. Okay. I okay. have. Baby book? Yeah, what I mean is, I got one book. <laughs> oh, I like you brought the kids. <laughs> you get your money identity at month one. Yeah, no, I right, got one. So, I, what's your aspirations? Ten Oprah Club or no? I so at the end of the day, again, I'm all about let's change the conversation around money. My ultimate goal is not really like. For me to reach the height of heights, I would love to collaborate with other people who talk about money. And we all sort of join this conversation about changing the way we think about money as in like good or bad, right or wrong, do this, don't do that. And really refocus the conversation to it's what's best for you, similar to just like what we talked about. Um, 
my book master your money identity was actually something that i did not plan to write i was actually planning to create a online course and i just got this unction to like write the book and that thing took me like a week to write i would say and i was so surprised and impressed by my ability to write a book because I didn't think it was something that I would ever do but I definitely see myself doing it more and more because as I'm talking and having these conversations I'm thinking of more things that I can start to share with people similarly or specifically the money avoidant behaviors and the money resilient behaviors I did not cover in my book I mainly focused on um the money identity default the stress level default in my book so that's something that i want to do so it's really more about the goal of changing the conversation with whatever form that i'm able to do it in there you, you go. know so tell me this so i think what you said is so awesome is you're focusing on the money identity which is more about self and the personality and the way you respond to your emotions with money. Which is it fair to say that you do not in your book focus on stocks, bonds, uh, real estate, houses, none of that. It's more about the self versus all the material. Is yeah. That yeah. So what I really believe, and I, I have this conversation a lot, is that we kind of work backwards. Like people try to find like materials about stocks and bonds and like how to make the most money or how to manage your money but if you don't have a true sense of who you are and how you relate to money mm. you can have all the knowledge in the world and you'll never be able to take action on it right and so i'm really trying to instill in people that they are enough mm. right meaning that they have the ability to do whatever it is that they want to do and there is a million materials out there to help them figure that out once they really believe that they can. I feel like it's between stressed, stress and getting paralyzed, not taking action, and believing that you're not enough, I'm not good with money, I don't know what I'm doing, that sort of thinking that gets people stuck in the way that they are. And I feel like once you get over that hump, it's smooth sailing. Makes sense. That is so awesome because uh, Dion, every time he has, uh, not every time, Dion Sanders, he's like, the book I like the most is The Engine That Could. Because once he believed that he could, he did. Yeah. And, and that resonates like similar to what you're saying is once you change your, your internal belief system, then everything else is achievable. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, this is so yeah I love Thank Dion. You. Like, he gives me life because it's like every yeah. time I see him show up and I watch a documentary about him, that's that was my a good one. other favorite pastime. I love watching documentaries. So his is really good. But it was just like he has always been, at least in the documented works, he has always been very, very... um confident in himself and his abilities yeah. and it's just like so here's some of my like soapbox things right all right so i i 
I think about how when he was at Jackson State. Yeah. Right? And yeah. people were upset that he left. Some people mm -hmm. were upset. And I'm like, man, if people only knew that they were able to do the same thing that he was able to do. I mean, of course, Dion has an NFL career. Like, he has all these connections. I get it. But also, it started with him saying, these are the things that I want. So I'm going to make them happen. Yep. And the same thing as he's gone to Colorado. Yeah. He's just like. He looked at a lot of schools, right. but he decided on that school because I believe he was like, this has what I want to get to where I want to be. Yeah. And I think sometimes we overstep that and we think we have to go to the place that has it all already together mm -hmm. so that we can succeed. But sometimes you just have to, let me rephrase that, all the time. You have to have the vision to make things succeed. Right. Like, without a vision, the people perish. Yeah. It is so true. Yeah. That is my belief. Yeah, and like, like Dion. Another t-shirt slogan. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, we'll, and we'll print them all for you for a small fee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, you know what, what Dion always says, and, and it's, it's, it's valid because... You know, I've been following him since he played for the Falcons. He says he's not true to this. He's not. He's not new to this. He's not new to this. He's true to this, right? He's been right. doing it. He's been doing this forever. It's just that now, you know, he's he's on a larger platform. You know, mm. in some in some sense, there's people that it that yes. didn't follow football that are following him now. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I had no interest in Colorado. Uh, university until you know I've, I've seen right. the past, I've seen the past three games and plan on watching the game today so you know, <laughs> yeah. so you know he, he's definitely he's definitely used his brand you know um, in a very wise uh, innovative and creative way and his children appear to be doing the same thing you know his son the quarterback right. and his uh, his other uh, two two kids are they're doing he's the a difference maker too. that's he's what he maker. says yeah and I think what I want the world to know is that we are all difference makers, mm. right? Like we may not be as physically talented as Dion. We might not be as, you know, he has a personality out of this world. Yeah. We might not all have that, but we all have something inside that we can bring to fruition with the connections that we have, right. with the gifts and talents that we have. That is my belief. Awesome. So let's ease into the uh, final four with this transition question. Okay. So you've shared a lot about uh, your thoughts on money management, um, stress as it relates to money, etc. What's one thing that you really wish people knew about money that you suspect most people don't know? I think there's so many things, but the first thing that just popped into my mind is that money does not buy happiness. Ooh, I'm glad so. you brought that up. Ooh. Preach. Talk to Because that, that's a good topic. Let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about this for a second. So go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is a good topic. Okay. So it is, I, I say it with apprehension because... I, I'm double-minded on this, but I'll explain why. Okay. Okay. 
most people think, especially people who don't have a lot of money, they're like, if I have more money, I'll be a lot happier. Because they know I don't have money right now and I'm not happy, right? Like, I can't pay my bills. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm stressed about college and student loans and, and all the things. So, by default, if I have more, I'll be more happy, right? But what I found to be true is it's not having more money that makes you happy. It's what you choose to do with it that makes you happy. So if you don't buy the car that you want with the money that you have, and you buy a car that you don't want with the money you have, like Smiley said, it won't make you happy, right? Like if relationships, building relationships is very important to you, which I, I, I innately think that it's important to everyone, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, if you spend your money on, this is an example I, I share with my dad, uh, Netflix, if you have a Netflix subscription, um, if you're using the Netflix subscription to spend quality time with your kids or your wife and y'all sit down and y'all watch the show that y'all all love, then it can buy happiness. But if you're just using the Netflix subscription to um, escape from the day because you're not happy with how your life is, that money isn't well spent because you could spend it on something that would be more beneficial to you. That will make you feel like you don't have to escape from your life. Okay. Okay. So, so here, here's my two cents. And I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. Genevieve, I, don't, I do not disagree with you. So my thought is, because I've thought about this a lot, you know, because in and, and, and one sense, you're like, oh, if I had a private jet, I'd be so happy. I wouldn't have to stay at the TSA lines. I could get where I'm going. Mm -hmm. If I had whatever. So here's my, here's my thought. And tell me what you guys think. I think that money can play a part in someone's happiness, but it should never be the source of your happiness. So if, the, if there's things you want, the RX-7, the private jet, the Netflix account, if you don't have those ever, you should still be able to find happiness within yourself. You know, and, and what comes to mind real quick is, is there's, there's a guy I was watching. I'll have to send you guys this video. His name is Titus. He lives in Kentucky. He's, um, he's like an evangelist of some sort, but he lives off the grid, barefoot in the woods by himself, eats, mm, roots, eats mm -hmm. roots and berries, and, you know, and hitchhikes everywhere he goes, doesn't use any technology at all, things like that. Um, He's, he's on an island in many ways in the, his mindset and how he lives. But Lou is the happiest person. He, he just exudes happiness, right? Because it's all for him. It's all within. It's all with, which is ideal. That's ideal. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. That, that, that's, like, I, I wish I could be like that happy, just walking around barefoot and not have anything. <laughs> you know? That, how beautiful would that yeah. be? So that's why I was saying that I think money can contribute to a person's happiness but should never yeah. be the source that's my, my what do you, no. what do you we're, we're, we're going for a tangent here smiley what do you think about it no i, I, I i'm sorry there some a couple <laughs> things came to mind as yeah, we were talking, talking. Yeah, yeah so like first of all 
I think that's great for him. But yeah. everybody doesn't want to be on a, you know, that's right. That's right. off on their own. So right. I understand that sometimes happiness does come with things. But again, to my point, like it depends on what you spend. And so I'm going to expound by saying I also think about the opposite of people who have who have a lot who are very unhappy, unhappy, who have private jets, who have all the things, and are very, very unhappy to the point where they want to unalive themselves sometimes or take drugs to escape. So that's why I came to the conclusion that it's not just having the money. It's like, how are you using it? To make your life better. To make you feel like who you are put on this earth to be. And sometimes I feel like we get the message, especially in America, that the goal is to get money and then we'll be happy. You know? Mm -hmm. I I agree with you because I, I was when you were speaking, I go back to when in my family we had a little house and there was a bunch of us there. And we were always eating at the same dinner table and in everyone was interacting with each other. It was everyone in the bottom. Yeah, in the bottom. Everyone had their relationships. We were talking. Uncles coming, going, everything. And then I was like, I can't wait till I get a big house. Then you get a big house and you don't see each other because everybody goes in their rooms. No one eats together. And I truly was happier when we were smaller because everyone was there. Even though we thought it would be better if we had more space. And so it, you're right. It, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Yeah. Happiness comes from within. Within. Yeah. And that guy walking, uh, like Andre and I, we met doing push-ups during the COVID. We would do push-ups three times a week. I was truly happy. Oh, dude, that. I look I forward to that. that. If I missed we, it, I was we, sad we, as a bug. Like twenty, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about We were only had get this, Jen. We only had to do a hundred push-ups. Some nights it would take us ninety minutes. Some one night it took us two hours because we're just talking dude <laughs> stuff. The dude, we would do five sets of twenty, but it would take an hour and a half to get those twenty out because we're off on a tangent, and we were just killing time. But once again, yeah. there was no money exchange, there was no spending of money, no anything. It was just like dudes who didn't know each other coming together online. I was happy. Yeah, I think I was happy. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah. Well, no, I awesome. think that's well, the best move. commodity right there. Like just <laughs> connecting. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I want to move into the final four. And Jen, if you could have dinner with anyone alive or dead, Ooh. there's only three four chairs at the table. You're in one, three others, alive or dead, male or female, or who would you want to have dinner with and why? Oh my gosh. Uh wow, there's so many people I'm inspired by. Um, I think since we already talked about him, I probably would say Deion Sanders. Um mm-hmm. just because of all the things that we said. And so the other person, gosh, this is so hard. Okay. I'll go. The next person would be probably my great grandmother. Is it my great? I think she's my great. Yes, my great grandmother. She was just an amazing woman. You know, she was in the bottom, but she had two businesses, some property. 
However, she didn't have great relationships with the family. And so if I had a chance to talk with her, but on the other hand, her sister didn't have any of that, but she had good familial and community relationships. So I would love to talk to my great grandmother and find out like, what was her mindset? Like it when she was, was she stressed about money or all the things like, so that would be my second person. And then finally, it would probably be, I would say also like Mary, Mary McLeod Bethune, just because she was the daughter of slaves. Just, and all the things she was able to accomplish. It's mm -hmm. so, in that time, you know, it's just so inspiring to me. And so I just would want to know, like, how? How did you do it? What did you tell yourself? Mm -hmm. How did you keep going? And however I think the answers I pretty much almost know was just she had a vision and she had faith and she took action all right nice yeah so what, awesome. what's been your greatest success my greatest success I would say is my family mm. like I really feel like I've done well let me give you a little background um, when I met my husband, he had five kids. And so I have two biological kids and five bonus kids. And I feel like I'm so proud of the family that I was able to create, the splendid family that all love each other. I get along with their mothers. And it's just... To see my kids grow over the past 10 years from where they were to where they are now, it just gives me so much joy. And I think just, again, anytime I can build a relationship, it gives me great joy. Mm. I love it. Oh, that's I beautiful. I, as soon as you said that, I thought about my, um, my five bio brothers, my three step brothers, and I got about six bonus brothers. It's just like, I just started when you said that. And I, I love the way you phrase that because when we talk to each other, we're all brothers. We don't even, yep. it's just like, we're all the same. Exactly. We have different moms, different dads sometimes, and we're just all brothers. And it just gives me a little chill, but thank you. Here's one. Superman flies. The Wonder Woman has a truth lasso. The Hulk is strong. The Flash is fast. What is Jen's superpower? Something that's uniquely you. Now, I actually have thought about this. Okay. <laughs> I think my superpower is the ability to speak life into people. Um, I'm really, really all about making people see things in themselves that they don't even see right like see the the potential and the beauty in who they are just as they are and cultivating that and helping them just flourish i think that is my superpower all right awesome so you have one book under your belt if you were to write a second book being your autobiography what would the title Ooh. be 
What would the title be? Oh, wow. Gosh. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. This is a hard one. Uh, <laughs> gosh. What would I say? What would I say? What would the title be? I don't know. You are enough. Oh, I, I like think that. that's you are enough. Oh, okay. I love I like that. that. You are I like enough. That. I like that. All right. You know what, Genevieve or Jen? We just love your words. Like I said, I got a whole bunch of phrases here. You are enough. You're beautiful. You're this. Uh, money identity. These phrases. This has been a most inspirational conversation with you on a Saturday morning. I. Thank you very much for being here and sharing your words of wisdom and experiences and your, your belief process because it resonates with people. You think about just know yourself so then you won't stress about other things. So thank you for your message. Thanks for being on the podcast. And I'll just add real quick, Jen, that you know you, when you mentioned that your superpower is breathing life into people, bringing life out of people, I can see that. Your, your energy, I love your energy. I don't, I don't know... I can't put my Thank finger you. on what it is, but I love your energy. Um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts on money management, effective money management, that sort of thing. Um, I, I can see a second book coming, and hopefully when that second book comes out, you'll come back and join us on the, uh, on the oh, podcast. Love to. Awesome. Awesome. Thank yeah. you, guys. All right. Thank you. 